0: Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. We're so glad you decided uh, to worship with us on this Sunday morning. Uh, We are thrilled uh, to be together as a church, and we are continuing our series called Back uh, to the Basics. And the idea of basics may make it seem like it's not uh, important or it's something that we should be beyond. Uh, But when you actually live the Christian life and you walk in this adventure uh, with Jesus, you're always connected to uh, the things that help you grow. And it's not basic. Uh, they are the basics, which means basically these are the things we have to keep coming back to. We have to keep learning more about so we can continue uh, to grow. And last week, uh, we kicked off the series talking about Christ uh, as the center, and he is the, the center of, of Christianity. He's the center of growth. We, we can't grow to get to know God if Jesus is on a separate pathway, in fact, we get to know God because we go through Jesus Christ, uh, His grace. We, we lean into Him. We rely on Him. We, we learn uh, from Him. And that's the basis of, of how you grow. You have to always deal with Jesus. You have to decide do you agree with, with what the Bible says about who Jesus is? And we talked about that, that central scripture that He came and He said, like, I am, I am the, the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one can really grow. No one can truly understand unless you, you go my way. And through his life uh, on this earth, he, he taught us the ways to grow. He modeled it. He exampled it. And then also, he paid the ultimate price so we can connect to God. He died on the cross uh, for our sins. And so today we launch into some specific things, uh, talking about prayer, and prayer is one of those that if you've grown up in the church, you've probably heard a lot about. If you grew up in a Christian family, that might be something that you did a lot. But always with prayer, there's there's kind of a, an element of a structure or formality, and we, we may have some preconceived uh, notions in our head of what prayer is. So I want to talk about that uh, in a moment. But what I thought we could do is because as we talk about growing and as we talk about life and how we do that, uh, it's, it's really helpful to kind of be a little bit introspective to maybe take a little inventory of of where uh, we are. So I just want you to think of like three uh, different categories uh, this morning. Uh, Peace, hope, and joy. So you're going to rate yourself. uh, This is a scale of one to 10, and we're going to start with peace, okay? So one is like, what is peace? I don't even know what that is. Ten is like, Life is great. It's peaceful. I feel like my life, there's a lot of peace. It's surrounding. It's full of peace. And then like five is maybe obviously in, in between those uh, extremes. So you can just write this down on your program. I encourage you, you know, to take notes that can help you track uh, or just think about it if you prefer to do that. But when you think about the word peace and peace in your life on a scale of one to 10, how much peace uh, do, you, do you say you, you're experiencing right now? Or maybe this past week or this past month, what would your score be? between one and 10. Okay? So peace. Everyone got their number? Yeah? Okay. Now, joy. Like how much joy would you say that you have in your life right now where you wake up and there's a sense of like, I am ready to hit the ground running like life is is good. Uh, it's not perfect. There's problems. There's still holes and things are unraveling, but uh, they're there's some joy, like I, I'm looking forward to where I am and where I'm headed. One is, uh, man, I haven't experienced joy in a long time. Ten is like, yes, that characterizes me and where I am. So rate yourself for that. So peace and then joy. Everyone got theirs? Okay, the first one is awake. One is you're not awake. Ten, let's start there. And then the last one is hope. How many of you feel hopeful after this past week? <laughs> <laughs> Where's your rating for hope? Like, it's kind of connected to joy, but it's, it's things things are looking up. Things are looking good. Maybe around me, my life, my family, my kids, every aspect. Like, is there, there hope? One to ten. So if you add those three up, you, you have some sort of a score 30 would be like your life is like super sweet. Three would be life is pretty rough. And I'm sure some of you, you could be at three and some of you could be at 30, but I imagine for most of us, uh, our score is somewhere we're in the middle. The reason I ask you these questions is it's in the middle of life that God meets us. It's in the middle of the chaos when we don't feel peace that he meets us. And it's in the middle of things that are discouraging where God meets us. And it's sometimes in the middle of hopeless times and hopeless things and circumstances and all those things where where God meets us. Uh, You're here this morning, and you have a lot going on in your life. Uh, Some of you, I know some of what's going on more than others. I think all of us have uh, layers of things that are hard. Is that a correct statement? There's some of you who are burdened and uh, discouraged and overwhelmed by life. And what happens, and I think what we've trained ourselves to think is like when we come to church and we surround ourselves with God's people, there's a sense of like we have to act like all of these things are not true or real. And then it's like, okay, God, meet us. But as we ask God to meet us, we're not really fully here because we're not dealing with like our reality. And so it's very important for all of us to, to, to recognize and understand, you don't have to clean your life up for God to help you. In fact, you cannot clean your life up. You can't become polished, you can't make sure everything looks good in front of people or even as you look in front of the mirror. We're messed up people and we need God's help. Isn't that so encouraging? You're messed up and so am I. But it's we have to be real. Because as we look for growth and as we look for God to speak to us, you don't have to check out or fake it. It's in the very things that you're facing, that's where God wants to speak to you today. And as a church, we want to walk through these things together. That's what community is. And so today we're going to talk about prayer. Next week we're going to talk about uh, reading God's word. And then we're going to close out the series talking about the importance of of loving uh, others. And so we hope uh, through these coming weeks that you will be revitalized spiritually. For some of you, it may be learning things for the first time. And we hope that that that, gives you a new lease on life. And there's some of you that like your Christianity, maybe you have grown up in the church or maybe you've learned and you've understood so many things for so many years that it's stale. Like your your relationship with God is, is stale. And so we hope that like it revitalizes and so I, I, I'm so glad you're here, and I'm, I'm looking forward uh, to digging in. So today, prayer. I want to do like a starting point, a definition. Uh, this is like not an official, like there's one definition that works, but I think this is, this is helpful. So let's start there. The question is, what is prayer? Well, here's one that I, I like. Prayer is communicating with God in and about the life that we share together. Oftentimes prayer can become a distant informal things like where we're saying certain words that we only say during prayer have you ever done that like you don't speak any other time but in prayer with certain words right you ever notice that it's weird it's like it's like an accent that you pick up it's like this prayer accent you start to pray and you start just saying saying stuff like in hallowed holy father God you and you're just overwhelmed by all the things. And you're like coming back to second grade, what you learned in Sunday school, you're bringing that in. And, and what happens is sometimes, again, in the formality of things and like that switch that we turn on, we miss out on the, the relational part. Like if you think of prayer, uh, this is helpful, think of prayer as a conversation with God where you're communicating. And whatever you're saying to God, that's the same kind of way that you would communicate with somebody. You know how many times I've prayed and I've stopped praying Like, I'm praying, and before I know it, I was like, oh, yeah, I think I stopped like a couple minutes ago. That'd be like talking to my wife, and we're having a conversation. The the issue is I'm using like an analogy, but this is actually true as well. You have a conversation like, you know, I got to tell you, and they're just waiting. What? I can't even remember what I just said. That happens when you get a little older. I'm learning that. But there's a reflection of like, is your conversation and communicating with God, does that actually represent a real relationship? Or would it, would it be totally like awkward if you had that same conversation you have with God uh, with somebody else? So that's kind of this idea of like, it's sharing a life together. It's, it's actually at its core, prayer is relational, where you're connecting uh, with the living God. And you're, you're communicating with Him. And, and it's happening on an ongoing basis, and it goes back to what I said. Like, you don't have to check out of your life. What that means is related to prayers. You don't have to just figure out, like, how do I sound? Like, I can talk to God so he knows I'm using this special. It's actually just be who you are, where you are, and God hears you. That's very helpful. God, God hears us, he knows us, and he meets us right where we are. Uh, John 17, 3, uh, listen to, to, the, to the heart of God. It says, and this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This illustrates the sharing of the life together. God is up close. He wants to relate to you. He knows you. He knows what you're facing. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you better than anyone else. So at the core, this scripture, that they know you, prayer, is the primary way that this happens. Because what happens through prayer is you build this, this faith muscle and this trust muscle, like all the things that I'm facing, I want to talk to God about first. Do you have those people in your life? Like something happens, you're like, I have to tell this person. Do you have that? We all do. That's what builds a trust relationship. Like, I've experienced this. I have to tell somebody. I'm in trouble. I have to reach out to this person. What the core? Of the Christian faith is the person that you talk to first, that you have to tell about a situation that you face or something that you're struggling with, is God through prayer. But it takes actually some time to build that, that reflex. And that, that takes time and that takes trust. But prayer is the primary way we experience like being with God. And check this out in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. It says, What we have seen and heard we announce to you also so that you will join with us in the fellowship that we have with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this in order that our joy may be complete. Again, when you read Scripture, sometimes you read it and you're in church and like a guy like myself, you're like, yep, that's the Bible. That's what it says. But when you read the Scriptures and you think what God is saying is he actually, the almighty living God, wants to know you personally and relate to you. And he sent his son so that could happen. So that even though we rebelled, Jesus would reconcile us back. He's like our mediator, which we talked last week. Like, this relationship is so important. He sacrificed his only son for us so we may know him. And so prayer is that connection back. Like, because you want to know me and you care about me and you love me, I want to communicate with you. I want this relationship to grow. Christianity is about this relationship with the living God. And it's so easy to take that for granted or just say, like, yes, that makes sense. But when you think about it, who are we that God would actually want to know us? And think about all that we've done, all the junk, all of the mess that we've made in our life, and God still loves us, and he still wants to relate to us. You ever think about if we did half of what we did to God that we do to others, we would have no friends You ever think about that? It's true. But God actually, he he loves us, and he's patient with us, and he's compassionate, and he's faithful. And prayer is that reminder like, this is who you are, and you want to know me. I want to share some some quotes of some some authors that are helpful. I'm going to scoot up a little bit because I can't see. But um, as I've grown in my own faith, a lot of times there's people that say things uh, better than I can say it. I mean, you guys hear me. There's sometimes what I say doesn't even make sense. And that's even to me as I hear it. I'm like, I don't even know what that meant. (laughs) So if you don't understand, take heart. I sometimes don't either. (laughs) So there's a lot of people that write and communicate way better than I can. And and I want to just share some thoughts uh, of some people that have been helpful to me in my own development. And uh, I just want to share some quotes on prayer. This is Eugene Peterson. He wrote the paraphrase of The Bible called the message. He says, "Prayer is the disciplined refusal to act before God acts." I I like that. You are facing a decision, and you don't know what to do. Prayer is, "I will not do this until I've communicated to you about it. I will refuse to act before you tell me and before you show yourself." That's helpful. Uh, Oswald Chambers. You ever heard of the book "My Utmost for His Highest"? Devotion book. Really helpful. He says, prayer is not only asking, but an attitude of mind which produces the atmosphere in which asking is perfectly natural. The kind of thing with prayer is, it's like, I got to learn how to pray. And I need to understand how to pray so I can pray. I need to figure out what I need to do to pray so I can pray. I need to understand prayer so I can pray. And there's a point at which you just pray and then you've prayed. You get what I mean? If you talk to God, guess what? You're praying. That's what it's saying. The more that you talk to God in prayer, you're praying, and you're a prayer, Pr- prayer. See what I said previously? <laughs> Charles Spurgeon, he's one of my favorites, English uh, pastor. He was was part of a, just, a revival in England and Europe. He says, pray until you can pray. Pray to be helped to pray. And do not give up praying because you cannot pray. See, he just said exactly what I just tried to say. And I forgot he said it better. See what I'm seeing? See what I mean? Yeah. For it is when you think you cannot pray, that is when you are praying. <laughs> I'm illustrating my own points here. <laughs> Dallas Willard, another great thinker. He was a philosophy professor at the University of Southern California. He says this, don't seek to develop a prayer life. Seek a praying life. You see, a continual theme. You want to learn to pray, start. A prayer life is a segmented time for prayer. You'll end feeling guilty that you don't spend more time in prayer. Eventually, you'll probably feel defeated and give up. A praying life is a life that is saturated with prayerfulness. You seek to do all that you do with the Lord. Okay? It's helpful. But this is like part of the struggle I've had growing up. I grew up in the church, and I remember the first prayer I ever was taught. Some of you know I grew up in England. I went to British school. And we were on this like little uh, kind of like fifth grade retreat. And uh, our school teacher like wanted to pray before our meal. And I was like, wow, okay. Like it's a school a prayer, you know. And he, and he says, this is a, this is a prayer I've, I've learned long, long ago. And I'm like thinking this is going to be like this rich British like history 1292, you know, kind of like prayer. And he just said, Dear Pa, Ta. That was it. Now in England, Ta means thanks. Dear Pa, like Dad, Father, thanks. And I remember, like, <laughs> that was it. Should we eat now? Like, I don't know if that counts. But three words. It's helpful. Just It's a prayer of thanks. And you know what? that He prayed. And I'll never forget that because at the core, it's a recognition that there's a God. He hears me. He's my Father, and I'm going to thank Him. And in three words, He communicated that. And that's this idea of, of you, you don't have to, well, i got to get this place where I can pray, and I need to say these things so I can pray right. It's, no, it's, it's wherever you're going, you, you pray. And so I, w- I would like kind of think of it like this. Do you have somebody that you text, like, a lot? You know, texting, like, most of us do it, right? I remember the first time somebody texted me, and I literally said, like, hey, I I don't do that. (laughs) I didn't answer. I was like, I don't don't do that. And I think back, like, have you ever had, you know, you've texted somebody, and then they call you, and you're like, we don't do that. (laughs) Text for text. If I email you, email me. If I text, you text. If you call, I'm ignoring it. Let's not get weird. But think of somebody that you text a lot, okay? Just ballpark number. Think of the person that you text the most in your life. How many texts do you think you send a day? Just think about it. Now, if you're younger and you have like a special someone and your parents don't know about it, be careful of the number you're about to say, okay? Just a little word of advice. But again, you can be real, so you don't have to check out of what's going on in your life. So maybe you say it. But how many do you think you'd say you text somebody a day? Just yell it out. How many do you think? Everyone's nervous because it's like, man, if I say 800, everyone's going to be... How many do you think? Like 10? No, that's... 40 to 50. Yeah, let's get real. 40 to 50. Anyone more? 150, okay, we got 150. We got 150 over here. Do I have 200? Okay, we got 200 right there. All right. See, it changed it. It changed it when it was unlimited, right? As soon as text went unlimited, we really went unlimited. But when you started to pay for that, you're like, I don't, I don't even need to say that many words. You're abbreviating everything. You can't even understand it. It's not even English anymore. If you're wondering, this is not in my script at all. I'm just, going, just going off right now. But the point is, texting is this communication, and we, we do it all the time, and, and we, we communicate with people all the time. And it would be the same as like, what if our prayer life represented that text, but we can't text God, so it's kind of awkward. But what if like, as we would send somebody something about what we're going on or what we're going through, we, we texted like that same prayer, but it was a prayer to God. And like, think about 50. What if you were praying 50 times in a day? Or even 10. Like, it's not necessarily before, you know, a meal. Like, you, you, that's the communication. That's what Dallas, Dallas Willard is getting at. There's this constant, like, state of, of prayer that, that we can have. So before we dig in, I, I want to kind of show some practical things of how to pray. Uh, I want to talk through uh, reasons that you struggle with it, reasons that I struggle with it. So the question is this, why is prayer a struggle How many of you would say, like, yeah, prayer is a struggle for me? I I think, yeah, it can be. Um, So the question is, what prevents you? Second question, what prevents you from praying regularly? So what I'd like to do, uh, if you pray regularly, then what prevents you from praying more? If you don't pray regularly, what prevents you from from doing that? Uh, What I want you to do is just think about that. What prevents you uh, from praying regularly? Just come up with an idea. What do you think it is? And you don't have to say it yet. And you don't have to say it at all. Still think about it. What prevents you from praying regularly? You have one, two or three? What are some things? What are some things that make it difficult for you to pray? Anyone want to share? What is What was that? Distraction. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. What do you mean by that? Uh Uh-oh, control, okay, good. Yeah, just setting time aside or not setting time aside. Yeah. Pride, Pride. what do you mean? I got it. it. What else? Yeah, same, like I just, I'm going to figure this out. I got it. Tired. Tired. Yeah, prayer life can increase your sleep life if you're not careful. You're trying to pray at 10.30 at night when you're going to bed. You wake up in the morning, amen. (laughs) You know you've done it. I've done it. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Here's something that I thought of, and you guys have have actually said this. uh, First, uh, distraction. I don't know about you. There's times when I want to pray, and I want to spend time with the Lord, before I know it, I've stopped and I have my phone in my hand, and I think, "How did that happen?" And that's because, oftentimes, when I'm not thinking, my phone ends up in my hand. We had a Horizon training group. We just talked about that this past week. Like the amount of time that you spend on your phone can, is a huge distraction to spiritual disciplines. It, it's it, it's amazing. Like we've conditioned ourselves. And they've done studies on this, where you can have your phone in your pocket, and your brain is literally telling you you have a notification. And you pick it up, and you don't. But you've trained your, your brain. It's like, like you maybe walked, and your gene just moved a little bit. You're like, oh, nothing. And you just put it <laughs> back in there. But then like 30 seconds later, you're like, wait, did I? And then you're, and, and you're just trained. Like, it's, we're, we're distracted. And it's not even just your your phone. We're we're distracted by by life. There's times when you want to pray and you need to talk to God about something where everything you've ever needed to do in your life comes to the forefront of your mind. You can't remember anything except when you need to pray, and then you remember everything you have to do. I think that's on purpose. So as those things come to mind, there was a, a gal that I used to work with, super helpful Christian lady. And she said, I just keep uh, uh, like sticky notes, and when those things come to mind that I'm supposed to do, when I'm trying to spend time with God and when I'm trying to pray, I just write those things down so I don't forget it, and then I go back. But what can happen is, as those things come to mind that we got to do, you start doing it, and then you stop relating to God. And it's kind of like the same with like your phone. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody? And let's say it's the other person. It's not us. You ever have a conversation with somebody, and as you're communicating with them, they pull out their phone, and they start looking at it? You ever had that happen? And anyone ever done that to you? Not you've done that. But, is any, you know, anyone had a friend that's done that? People are like, there's people in this room, you don't even, you're not even looking. You guys are looking so straight because you don't even want to make contact with the person. <laughs> I just feel the nervous energy right now, and I love it. But we all, you know, it's easy to do, and it's the same with with God. It's like we're we're having a conversation with God, and then there's just something else that comes up, and it's like better, and I'm not going to communicate with you anymore. And it's just like looking at your phone as somebody's engaging with you in conversation. So distraction. Uh, Another one is unbelief. Uh, We mentioned this. It's the idea of I prayed, and it didn't work. I didn't get the answer. I didn't get the answer I wanted, or I didn't get the answer in time. So it doesn't work. That can be a huge barrier. The difficult thing with with prayer is it, it, it doesn't always work like that because God is seeing things from a totally different vantage point. And there actually is always an answer. It's usually, you know, yes, no, or, or wait to what we're asking. But we don't know when that's going to come, and that that becomes... A struggle. Uh, another aspect of unbelief is we think uh, God is is mad at us. I don't know if you've ever like tried to pray and maybe you've messed up and you've sinned, and then you feel like you kind of have to pay for your sin somehow. So you like distance yourself from God because you can't talk to Him because you feel like, well, I've got to pay for my sin long enough so that we're better. So I need like at least two days where I'm not talking to God so that I can talk to God once I paid for my sin. Isn't that crazy when you think about it? That's like when your kid messes up, they don't want to come home for two days. But as a parent, what are you thinking? Come home. Let's deal with this. I'm here for you. I'll help you. And so we put barriers where we think God's mad at us. God actually isn't like that. He's not stingy. He's not cheap. He's not manipulative. He's loving. He's compassionate. So at the core of our unbelief, we have a loving God who's pursuing us. And he wants to talk to us. Uh, Another one is hurry. Hurry is a major enemy of prayer. And this is where you have to shift from like, I have a prayer time uh, to I I am somebody who just, I'm I'm praying. So if you have to go to work and you get in your car, you can still pray with your eyes open. (laughs) This isn't like the ultimate faith test here. But it doesn't have to stop. But it does stop what? When you turn on talk radio, it stops. Even when you turn on music, it could stop. Listen to your podcast, it could stop. But if you drive, you can pray. But we think, like, I got to keep going somewhere. I got to keep getting there. I got to keep getting there. And so it's like God is in this box, this compartment of our life. But He's actually, he, he's connected to everything. And so when you, you shift that in prayer, it can help. Another one is, is idols, And this is, when I look at what's enjoyable in my life, I would much rather check Facebook and Instagram and TikTok than pray. Because prayer, it's kind of boring. It's kind of stale. It's not active. But man, I look at YouTube, and it's entertaining. It's like, hey, pray. Or watch somebody blow up a watermelon from 1,000 feet in the air on a crane those are pretty fun. Or pray to God. You're like, ah, I don't know. YouTube's pretty, pretty interesting. And it, whatever it is. But but those are actually enjoying the things that like people have created, or it's sometimes even enjoying what God has created and not enjoying the creator. That, that's actually what idol is. It's like worshiping the byproduct of what God has, has given instead of working the one worshiping the one who's given it to us. It happens all the time. So I don't know what yours is, but I, I deal with, with all of these. And then the last is this. I don't know how to pray. That's a major barrier. And so that's what I want to deal with uh, with the rest of our time. How, how do uh, we pray? And so I want to shift to uh, the Lord's Prayer. There's a section on your, your handout, uh, if you're following along, that has God's promises to those who pray. Do you guys see that? If you're looking, uh, it's a list of these are the promises. I'm not going to spend uh, the time going over them. And then there's scriptures. And I encourage you, and this would be a great next step for you this week. Read uh, the scriptures for each of those promises. Because sometimes what we need to experience is like, these are the things that God provides. Like this is a promise if you choose this discipline. And they're not hypothetical. They're, they're real. So look on, on that list really briefly. We've got healing, wisdom, power, Protection, changing someone's heart, and then just anything that you need. Which of those for you, and you can circle this, which of these for you, that promise is the most appealing? Which of those? Encircle circle it. Healing, wisdom, power, protection, changing someone's heart, anything that you need. The reason I want you to think about that is what God does because He is good. He will provide the promise, like as you take a step forward, and you are like God. I need, I need protection, or God, I need this situation to change. You can't put a time limit on it because you don't know. But God, God will come through. And so there is times where He He gives the promise, and then you have to take a step forward in faith, and believe that that is true. You don't have the promise yet. Like, it's a promise, but you haven't experienced it. And so which of that is for you? And then ask God as you step forward in this communication of sharing the life together. Ask him that, that he will show that promise to be true in his timing. And I, I believe he will. So let's get into the nitty-gritty. How should we pray? You guys ever heard of the, the Lord's Prayer anyone grew up Catholic? Okay, you guys are ready. (laughs) Like you're locked in. The thing with the Lord's Prayer is it's actually super, super helpful. And that's not a knock on Catholicism or anyone that's learned the Lord's Prayer. It's biblical. The problem is, is if you've just learned it and it's just like you learn like a flashcard in school, you just, you could say it. Two plus two is four. What does that mean? Four? Same with the Lord's Prayer. You could say it, and you could say it. Just, what does that mean? I don't know. I was just supposed to say that at certain times. And so the reason I'm bringing the Scripture in is, is that there actually is, is meaning, and it's powerful, and it should be something that we should learn. Our kids should be learning it. But you can't do it just to do it, and you can't just state it to state it. like You have to understand what it means, and it actually provides a lot of, a lot of guidance. So uh, let's, let's read it together. It says Matthew 6, uh, verses 9 uh, through 13. I'm just going to read it straight, and then I'll kind of break down uh, each verse. It's 1054. Okay, we're good. Uh, throw that on there. You don't know what we're good for. We're good to leave at one. <laughs> so be careful if you laughed at that. Just kidding. Can you throw that on the screen for me? Does it, does it have the whole thing, or is it just that? Okay, I'm just going to go verse by verse. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Are you guys already starting, like, you're hearing it? Like, you're like, yeah, you're already hearing it, right? Okay, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Keep going. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we're going to go through each of these verses and kind of talk through what those mean. So let's start with the first one. It says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, a hallowed be your name. If you could put that next screen up there. Okay, pray then like this. This is Jesus speaking. And it's called the Lord's Prayer because he's the one who modeled it. But really, I had a New Testament professor in college that said it should be called the Disciples Prayer. And the idea is, like, if you're a follower of Christ, this is for you. Like, you should pray like this. That's helpful. It's the Lord who prayed it, but he did it so we would have a model, so we would know how to pray ourselves. So it starts with, with our Father. Very helpful. God is our Father. And if you had a good father, you know what that means. If you didn't have a good father, that could bring up all sorts of issues. Just the word father. That could be a struggle. And that's part of what can trip people up with Christianity. It's like I'm relating to this this father God, but my relationship with my real father is terrible. But the idea is our father in in heaven, uh, he is the, the perfect father. And he is a father that wants a relationship with you. And again, he's a father that has done all that he can to make that possible. And he's full of love and and faithfulness. He he cares for us. And so when you pray, Our Father, you are reminding yourself that there is a God who loves you, and you are his son, and you are his daughter. And just like a good father, he will do all he can to protect you and provide for you and sacrifice. And it's not in theory, because he actually did it. So when you pray, Our Father, it's a reminder of who I am and who he is. It's very powerful to never move past that. Like We are his children. And no matter what your experience is with your earthly parents, God will actually connect with you in a way that it, it's healthy in the way it's supposed to be because he's God and he does what's right. So our father, and then the second, that, that in heaven, it's this reminder of the vantage point that he has. And this is so helpful You don't need to pray to anyone else. You go directly to God because he's the only one in heaven. He's the only one that has the vantage point that he has. You don't have to have a mediator between you and God. You pray to him directly. Our Father in heaven, you see all. You are powerful. You know everything that's going on. You see everything in every country. You see everything in every city. You see everything in every family. You know exactly what's going on in my life. You're my God, you're my Father, and you're in heaven, and you have a vantage point that I desperately need. You see things that I cannot see, and no one can see. And so it's this idea of the power that He has, the vantage point that He has that we need. You guys faced issues like wondering, like, why is this happening? And I actually don't know, but I know God knows, and He sees. So, our Father. He loves me. He cares for me. He wants a relationship with me. And he has a vantage point that I need. He's in heaven. It's so our Father in heaven. And then it says, hallowed be your name. Again, we don't use that word a lot, but hallow means uh, like a respect, an honor. Uh, there's a holiness that separates God from any other person, any other being. And that's why he's worthy of us praying to him. No one else is hallowed like God is hallowed because no one else is God. And the scriptures say, you know, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. So when we pray, it's it's like this this recognition, God, I need your vantage point. But at the same time, I I have to recognize that that you are God who hears me and answers me. And there is like this respect and honor that I want to give you. You're worthy of respect and honor. I think respect and honor is slowly degrading in our society. Like People don't respect anything. And it's almost like you just don't respect it because you're supposed to respect it. And it's terrible. You're seeing it just in our world. Like even lives, like they're not honorable anymore, it seems like. And they're just degrading each other and punishing each other. And there's this reminder, like, no, that there are things that are, are so valuable. And at the core of it is life. The life that God gives is so valuable. But then you realize, like, the one who gave it, no one could give it. And I'm going to honor and I'm going to respect his name. And then it goes on. Next slide. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the idea is like when you pray this, it's like, God, will you show me the things in my life where I'm not doing your will? See, a lot of times when we say your kingdom come, we think it means out there. Actually, your kingdom come means in here, in me, your kingdom come. Your will be done in me, in my decisions, in my attitudes, in my next steps. We always think it's external, but it actually starts internal. I want your way with me. That's a dangerous prayer. God, is there anything in my life that doesn't represent your will or your kingdom? Am I chasing the American kingdom? Am I chasing goals and dreams which do not represent? What's important to you? And that's related to what we pursue. That's related to how we treat people. But your kingdom come, your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Meaning there is actually things that he wants to do among us, Christ followers here and now, where people can get a little taste of his kingdom here. And people can get a taste of eternity and heaven here. It's not full. It's like a shadow of it. But when you pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, what you're saying is, I want you to transform me. I want you to change me so I become a different person. And I want the reflexes that I reflect to be so different than this world that people relate to me and experience who I am. And people come into our church and they experience the relationships. They experience the difference of a community. They walk out saying, like, there's something different with that group. That's my prayer for Rage of you every single week. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, here and now, as will always be in forever and forever in eternity. But if you want to make a difference here and now, you have to become different. To make a difference, you have to become different, and that's what that prayer is. So, just to recap like those first those first two verses. It's like uh, Father, Heaven, Hallowed, Kingdom, Will. Think about that in terms of like setting your perspective. And I think that's really helpful because oftentimes it's like, God, I am in this funk. I'm in trouble. I need your help. And our perspective is just so muddled and confused with what we're facing. But what Jesus is saying is, come to God and recognize he is the very thing that you need to untangle the mess that you're in. Again, I don't have to act like I'm further along than I am. I don't have to act like I have it figured out. Why? Because I have a Father in heaven whose kingdom and will is beyond what I can understand, and it actually leads me to what is right. And life starts coming together when I pursue his kingdom and pursue his will. So as things get muddled and messed up, as I set my heart to the Father who's in heaven, whose name is above all names, who's separate, who's holy, who understands exactly what I need, but also has a kingdom and a will that leads me to the good life, life actually coming together. Doesn't that transform the way that you pray, even your problems? You're not just talking to somebody at a drive-thru, like, hey, could I get that? Just make sure you don't mess up that order. And make sure I don't have to pull to that little side spot. I want it, you know. It <laughs> kind of bothers me. I've never said that out loud before. That <laughs> was actually kind of like therapeutic right there. But All right, let's keep going. It goes on, it says, uh, give us this day our daily bread. So notice the focus on God, who he is. Who he is transforms our prayer. Who he is transforms it. It's like, it's not us, it's him. And then then it goes into give us this day our daily bread. So this is like, what do you need? Like, what, what is it that you need God to do? And sometimes that changes as you recognize the Father in heaven and his kingdom and will and his name that is hallowed. But there's things that you need God to come through. You've already circled some promises. But there's some of you that you're just, you're broken and you're struggling. You need God to help. You need God to heal. There's some dealing with physical things you need God to heal you. There's relationships that are strained you need God to restore. There's holes where you find yourself you need God to help. And there's all sorts of things that you need God to come through. And the good thing with God is he's your father. He he hears you, and he wants to help you. And so the prayer of give us this day, our daily bread, is just a reminder, like, we need God to come through. If you need God to come through for you, you are in a fantastic spot. Because you're probably, for the first time, in a position where you're actually looking to God for help. And that's what he does. You can look everywhere for help, everywhere for hope, everywhere for joy, joy. But when you can't find it, you get to the point where you're like, well, I guess I'll talk to God. It's like, that's when you're desperate. And sometimes that's exactly where God wants you because you're actually ready to pay attention to him. We'll look everywhere else until we try to find rock or water out of a rock. It's like, it's not there. Then we'll turn to God. So give us to stay our daily bread. And then and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. So uh, sin, it's a great word, debt. It's like sin is like we have a debt against God. Like we owe him because we've wronged him. There's a debt in the relationship. And then there's also these debts in our other relationships outside of God. And so when you pray this, it's, it's just a, a confession. Father, will you, will you forgive me for my sin? I don't have to clean this up or I don't have to like, allow enough time to pass before I confess it. One of my mentors says, have a short account with God. It's the idea of like, don't let your tab run and run and run. If you sin and mess up, you know what God knows? He does. You're not like informing him, you know, God, I just want to let you in on this. Dude, I was so bitter at that person. And God's like, you think? Your heart was starting to turn. Oh, oh, yeah a short account. And the more you, 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 you have that, like, I have this debt, like I've sinned, the more you confess it, the more that relationship grows. I don't have to play games with God. don't have to act like I have it all together. I don't have to fake it with God. I sinned. He knows it. I confess it. Confession is agreeing. It's a great word. Confess. God, I'm just going to put this out there. You know what I've done, and I know what I've done, so let's just agree that I did it. It's really great. That's actually a really strong relationship. The worst relationships are where you know something's going on, and the other person knows something's going on, and you know what dysfunction is? You act like it's not true. We have all sorts of dysfunctional relationships. But with God, you confess, Father, forgive me. There are things in my life that I care about more than you, and I keep doing the same thing. I keep saying I won't do it, and I keep doing it. And then you, you you confess, like God, I've been angry and bitter and unforgiving towards this person, and you tell him because you need to confess it. If you don't confess your sin, the enemy's just using that; he'll guilt you over it. It just becomes weights that you're carrying around. You get enchained and enslaved to that. And this could be your spouse, this could be your boss, this could be your coworker, it could be your pastor. Be whoever it is. Like you're you're struggling. You need, you need to confess it. So forgive me of like my sin. And then and then if as people like have done stuff to you that you're you're holding a grudge, like God, you you, you gotta release that. You gotta forgive people. So Jesus reminds you you need the forgiveness of God for the things that you've done. And then you need to forgive people. I just want to say this really briefly about forgiveness. Forgiving doesn't mean you forget. I think we've had a false dichotomy, like that's not actually biblical. Do you know that there's things that people have done to you you will never forget? And if you think you have to forget for forgiveness to be real, you're gonna really struggle. Forgiveness is a decision that you make in a point of time, and you forgive the person. You release them. And it literally means I release them from having to pay wanna share something really quick. You know, when I I'm from a divorced family. And I know some of you are as well. And some of you are in the middle of that. My dad left when I was five years old. And the last memory I have of my dad is him walking down the stairs and he had a toothbrush in his hand. And I'm thinking, like, he's going somewhere. And this is the last memory I have of him, like, being married to my mom. And I just said, Dad, where are you going? He says, I'm, I'm going out. And that was the day he left. And my life's different because of divorce. And thankfully, like, my mom and my stepdad, like, they, <laughs> they've really walked with God. And they've really had to confess their sin and pay. And it still, I know, scars them. Just like our sin scars us. And when I was 16 years old, I came to a point where I realized, like, (laughs) I had to forgive my dad. Because I think in the back of my mind, like, (laughs) I had a lot of questions, like, why? You know, why would he leave? I even this I wasn't even gonna share this, so forgive me, but I just want you to know that like this is the kind of thing that you have to work out with God. And forgiveness is not that like for me, I don't I don't act like it didn't happen. Like it did. But at the age of sixteen, I realized like I needed to forgive him, and I wrote him a letter and I just said, like, I forgive you for leaving and for not having a relationship and not. Wanted to be my my dad, and there's still like these times like th- they don't come frequently. I have my stepdad is like my 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 real dad like we have a very strong relationship. But you know there's those times where it's like you can get into the whys of things, like why. And the thing is, you those aren't helpful a lot of times because you don't know. But what I do know is that sin was committed. But where forgiveness is, the sin is now washed away. And about 10 years ago, just out of the blue, my, my mom called me and said, you know, your dad, and it, like I don't have a relationship with him at all, so when she said my dad, like I thought it was like my stepdad who I called dad. <laughs> Sorry, welcome into the family dynamics of my family, but you know, your dad wants your number. And I'm like, "Uh, he's got my number, you know. She's like, you know, David. And he wants to get a hold of you. And he called just out of the blue and and asked for forgiveness. So probably about 16 years after I had forgiven him, God had gotten a hold of his life. I have not talked to him since. The reason I bring that up is there's a lot of times where there's lots of messes. And it's not like we have this relationship now and and I don't need that relationship. God has provided who I need. But there had to be forgiveness. The reason I bring this up is like if you get to a point where you can talk to God about the stuff that I just talked about and you know that he hears you and he's there for you, it will transform your life. He's a loving father, and just because he's in heaven doesn't mean he's not close. He hears you. He sees you. He wants to help you. I'm totally over time. When I'm over time, it's totally my fault, but if you pick up kids in kids zone, just look at them and say, thank you, because they're, they're serving a lot, and they always have to be there longer, but I just want to finish. Um, the last is like, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us... Uh, from, from evil, and that's the same with, like, forgiveness. You 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 have to confess the things that are going on, then you just have to talk to God about what you're facing. Uh, a lot of times when we think of, like, temptation, we kind of act like we don't talk to God about those things. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but, like, I don't really talk to God about temptation because that's kind of, that's like sin and stuff. Well, God's actually the person you should talk to about that. So when you're feeling, I don't know if you've ever felt this. I've felt this in my life. You ever feel you're, you're going off track and you know you want to do something that you shouldn't do? You ever have that? Right? We all have that. Like, I know I shouldn't do it, but I want to do it. And because I want to do it and I know I shouldn't, I don't want to talk to God about that because I want to do it. Right? This is two-year-olds in adult form. This is how we live. So what we do is we don't bring God in the, the situation, and then we do it, and then we beat ourselves up because we did it. God, I did it. I blew it. But what happens in prayer when you pray, lead us not in temptation, is what if instead of pursuing the sin, when you're facing the struggle of the sin, you ask him for help and you don't choose it? What difference would that make? What that is is you're building up victories. And then you don't have to fight shame. God forgives you and he will help you and his forgiveness never runs out. But do you know how long shame takes us to overcome? It takes us a long time. But you know how empowering is when you face temptation and then you didn't do it? That victory God wants to build again and again. And so what prayer is like, God, I really want to do that. And I know I shouldn't do it. And I'm going to talk to you about the fact that I want to do it. And I want to do it really bad. But you're my God. You're my Father. And I'm going to be honest with you. God will begin to help you. Part of what we do is we play games with God. We know we're wrestling with sin, and we don't tell him, and we act like he can't see. And then we sin, and it's like, God, oh, I blew it, God. And he's like, yeah, I was ready to help you. No, I know, but I, I really wanted to do it. But we're not smiling anymore. Because isn't it crazy? You don't feel that great about the sin after you've done it, Right? This is just, we go, we play this over and over. So lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Like, God, in the middle of what I'm facing, when I'm at that crossroads, I need your help. And that's what prayer is. I need your help. God, I need your help. Again, Father, it's like a parent, and you have your kids, and they're facing this situation. You want them to reach out and say, like, I don't know what's about to happen, but I want to let you know, and I need your help. As a parent, wouldn't you be so thrilled if they ask you to help them right before they make a really, really bad decision, right? Think about that with God, and we do that every day. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Okay, closing. Methods for praying. Uh, You'll see this on the handout. I'm just going to go over these very quickly. It says, uh, pray first. Before you do something, pray, then do everything uh, that you can. So prayer doesn't mean you stop. Like, you still have to You know, you could pray, God, will you help me get a promotion? You still have to be faithful at work. God, help me to get good grades. You still got to do your homework. So pray first, do everything you can, be faithful, and then let God do what he'll do. Okay? Uh, Start your day with the Lord's Prayer every day this week. Like, what would that look like if you focused on that? Or you may try the 23rd Psalm. We have Bibles if if you need one. Uh, pray at regular intervals. Be intentional. Uh, there's a, a handout in your uh, program. It's like a an extra prayer handout. You can uh, work this uh, this next week. Just look at that. You pray every day according to certain categories. Uh, I encourage you to to check that out. And then pray without ceasing. Uh, the scriptures actually say that, and that just sounds like does that that doesn't make sense. But the idea is like, how can I continue in this conversation with God on a regular basis? It doesn't have to start and stop. Like it doesn't have to be like I pray at home in this chair. And then I don't pray until the next day in that chair. It doesn't have to be like that. Okay, so there's just some methods. And the next steps, I encourage you to do these. And there's three. First, which prayer method do you need to focus on this week? I just went through that uh, really quickly. So you're like, I don't know, because I just went through it really quickly. But there are some prayer methods there. You can look at that on your on your handout. And then uh, work through the, the extra prayer handout there. That's just a resource for you. Uh, do that. And then last but not least, uh, which we've mentioned, is is I, I think there's people in here who've never been baptized that next week, it's time for you to be baptized. And baptism is a time where you go public in your faith. It's like, I am willing to do what God tells me to do. And a lot of times, like, the, the little test is, will, will you be baptized? anything but that. But it's, it's, it's helpful. Jesus himself was baptized is what we're supposed to do. And, and we celebrate that here at Ridgeview. Like, it's one of our most important celebrations because it represents people who've given their whole life to Jesus. And it's a beautiful celebration. And so uh, if you've not been baptized by immersion and, and you are a Christian, you're a follower of Christ, you always believe and then you're baptized. Uh, we have an overview right after this service. And we'll walk through what baptism is. And so if you're interested, come see me after the service. And you're not locked into baptism, but it will help provide information. And then I encourage you, take some time next Sunday after church to be a part of the celebration. Celebrate with those getting baptized. It's 1119. Thanks for hanging in there. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. You are our Father and you are in heaven, and you are close. Thank you for this group of people who you love, who you brought together for this time right now. You want to know us. You want to help us. You want to grow us. And so, God, we, we do ask that we will recognize you in the things that we're facing. We do ask that you will help us Uh, Just fight temptation, deliver us from evil. God, we ask that you'll provide just the daily bread for those things that we need. Uh, We desperately need you. God, thank you for being a God who meets us right where we are. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.